Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Goal Achievers, what's going on? Welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast. This is your friend and your host, Hal Elrod. And today's episode is brought to you by the Best Year Ever Blueprint. That is the Best Year Ever Blueprint live experience. Two to three days in San Diego, sunny San Diego, California, this December 7th through 9th, 2018. This will be our fourth annual. I think this is our fourth. It's our fourth or our fifth. I think it's our fourth. Anyway, but it's going to be great. So the Best Year Ever Blueprint, if you go to bestyeareverlive.com, tickets are on sale. And it really is unlike any other event that I've ever been to, probably that you've ever been to either. And a large part of that is our my good friend and business partner, John Berghoff, who's one of the best facilitators of events in the world. And what he does is all around the science of experiential learning. So unlike most events where you show up, you take notes for you know a few days and You listen to great speakers and get great information, which by the way, you could Google and get for free or buy a book on Amazon for $20 and get the same information that the speakers share from stage, right? And you know, you go home with five, 10 pages of notes and you're supposed to figure out how to fit that into your life and actually implement those notes. And if you're like me, I'm looking at my shelf where I've got binders and binders full of notes from events that I've gone to that I don't know, you know, most of them I probably haven't had time to or made time to go back and read. And so the difference between the best year ever live experience is that anything that you learn, we implement it real time. So for example, when we teach you the value of masterminding, and then we teach you how to mastermind, then we actually have you break into groups and mastermind. A few years ago, we talked about the value of adding value to the lives of other people and how we could do it in little ways from you know just making people feel good and adding value in that way or bigger ways. And then we actually sent our entire 300, 400 person event, our attendees into the city in groups, in teams with their smartphones to add value to the lives of people in the community real time, captured on video. Then they brought back the stories of what happened. It was amazing. So anyway, there's a lot that we do, but the whole premise of it, of course, is planning your best year ever. That's one thing we all have in common is that one year ends, another begins. And most of us have never been taught a process of how do you close out one year and extract the lessons and the maximum value and the growth that you've experienced and really internalize that so that you can apply it and then plan and approach to your new year, right? And literally make it the best year of your life financially, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, you name it. And that is not only just teaching you the process, but actually guiding you through it so that when you are at the last day of the event, you leave with a blueprint, right? You leave with your year planned out with your accountability team, your support team, you name it, you're set and ready to go. So anyway, that's enough about that. Go to bestyeareverlive.com. And I want to get to our guest today who actually, I was at a live event. I was speaking at a live event a few months ago and uh, I met our guest for the first time. And I first watched her on stage. I watched her do what she does. And speaking of experiential learning, she's a master at that. She's a master. In fact, um, we're trying to figure out how to get her to Best Year Ever Blueprint this year. So hopefully you'll meet her in person. But Patricia Moreno has been training, mentoring, and educating people all over the world for over 30 years. And it started out as an effort to end her own struggles with her weight, eating disorders, and body image issues. And she created the Insadi Method, 
And hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. She can correct me or if I said it wrong. But it's a life-transforming workout which combines her expertise in many disciplines. It's fitness, dance, martial arts, yoga, nutrition, meditation, and spiritual practices. However, as she rose up the ranks as a star, you know, star status in the fitness industry, Patricia found herself trapped in a vicious cycle of body consciousness, resorting to extreme exercise and dieting, doing these things behind the scenes to maintain her appearance. And she thought, here I am, you know, preaching exercise and diet, and it's not working for me. And so now thousands of instructors have been trained with Patricia to learn and teach the Insadi method. And her revolutionary approach has elevated her to the realm of internationally renowned fitness and wellness experts, earning acclaim from celebrities in the media, attention from O, The Oprah Magazine, Vogue, Shape, The Today Show, Good Morning America, you name it. And I can tell you on a personal note that the last year of my life battling cancer has really taught me that health must be our number one priority. And because whatever you might think is your number one priority, you know, for me, family is what rises to the top. But what I realize is that without health, we don't get to enjoy any of our other priorities, right? And I've realized that my number one priority is to stay cancer-free for the rest of my life so that I can be there for my children and be with my wife and be there as a leader and so on and so forth. So today's topic, we're going to dive into what Patricia calls spiritual fitness. It's a topic that is new to me. I'm excited to share it with you and to learn more about it myself. And I'm ready to bring her on. Patricia, welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast. Wow. I am so excited to be here. And I just want to say congratulations first off the top of the bat of being cancer-free now. I can't even imagine the challenge and the inspiration that you've been to so many of us. And it's really, really an honor to be here. Awesome. Thank you. I received that. I appreciate that. So Patricia, you've accomplished a lot. And as I mentioned, I saw you on stage and you do experiential learning, right? We're not just listening to you talk. We're up, we're moving, we're sweating, we're dancing. We're, you know, it was (laughs) awesome. It was just a great experience. But I want to know, you know, you've accomplished all these amazing goals. You're world-renowned fitness expert. You've been in all these media publications. What has been your most significant goal in your life and how did you accomplish it? And we can start big picture and then we can kind of drill down if needed. Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, you sent over that question yesterday. So I've been thinking about it a lot. And I have to say that the number one goal that I've achieved that I'm like so proud of, and if I didn't achieve it in this lifetime, would feel like a big regret to me is my marriage. Hmm. And I say that as an accomplished goal because um, I really struggled and I was at a point, it was later in my, I was already uh, nearing 40 when I decided that I really wanted to have a child. And it felt like to me that this was one of the things that I wasn't going to leave this earth without experiencing. And then I thought to myself, well, would I do it alone or or is marriage a must? Because, you know, the clock's ticking and all of these things you have to start taking into account. And I just said to myself, you know... I'm just going to put the stake in the ground. The dream is not alone. The dream is not just with anybody. The dream is with really the person that I believe will be my, my partner for the rest of my life. And I had been someone who had been like a serial dater, not only just dating, but dating that overlapped. Obviously, I'm not proud of that. Yo, I feel connected to you now because I, in my twenties, I was a serial dater too. <laughs> yeah. It, like I would get out of one by starting another one. And it was, and it really was a 
difficult time because I had had would was in a relationship for seven years, and then it took five years for me to basically get a date. And so by the time this five years was coming around, let's say year four, I was freaking out the whole conversation. I'm too old. Nobody loves her anymore. What am I going to do? This is never going to work. Like the, the real, real fear was setting in. I had a life coach. I was, uh, I was trying to, I even, you know, I teach classes or I was teaching classes on a regular basis then. And I even announced in my class, anybody who sets me up with the person <laughs> that I end up, I will give you coaching for the rest of my life. Do you know that not one person ventured to set me up with really? only, which made me feel even, even worse. worse. Yeah, I was that's like, rough. Not even my trusted <laughs> students believe Ouch. I'm worthy yeah. of this. And yeah. I'm telling you, I was going down. I went on this, um, on a website to go and get a date. Basically, it was like a match.com. And I'd started dating somebody for a while. And it turned out that not only was this guy a serial dater, he was dating 20 other people at the same time, wow. which was not even a joke. I mean, that was heartbreaking, but it was, I couldn't have been lower. And, you know, I teach how to achieve your goals. I teach about spirituality. I teach about all these things. And I'm like, I, I finally had the wherewithal to sit down with myself and say, okay, this is not working. And the one thing that I tried, which I think was really the key to having me turn things around was Instead of going out and trying to achieve this goal of like, okay, somebody please set me up, tell your friends I'm single, going on match.com or any of these other things was I changed the narrative in my mind. And I started to sit down every day. I would go to Starbucks before my class and I would sit down and I started to write a letter to this person. Hmm. And instead of saying, I hope this person finds me or why am I not being picked? And does anybody love me? Any of those kinds of versions, which were very strong in my mind at that time, I started to say, I know you're looking for me. I know you're looking for me. Don't worry. I promise you, we will find each other. There's nothing that can keep us apart. I'm looking for you. I just want you to know I'm looking for you. And then I would write, we're going to have kids. We're going to have an amazing, we'll laugh together. And I just started to write uh, all of the things that uh, I really wanted to do with this person, but also kind of in a way that had me think I was calming this person down because there was someone on the other side who felt as desperate and as sad that it wasn't going to work out as I was. And what's really interesting is I was doing this and I'm married to a woman. And when we, th- she started taking my class. And what was super interesting is the day that she came to take my class, a lot of people have been telling her, go take this class. You'll really love it. It'll be really good for you. She was breaking up with her person and she lives, she had a home in New Jersey, which overlooks New York City. And she took a photo that day uh, of the skyline and literally set an intention. May I please fall in love? I have everything. She's a dentist. I have a good career. I she just bought a beautiful apartment. I have everything. I just want love. Hmm. Please help me achieve this love. And then she read every night a book, uh, a um, kind of a prayer, a mantra from uh, the power of your subconscious mind. Do you know that book? Yeah, I do. So very old time yeah, old, book. Yeah, sure. Old school. But every night she would read this prayer. It was exactly similar to what I was doing. I love you. I lead where you follow. I know we'll find each other. And she came to my class that day and we have never met. 
And as she was waiting in class and I was about to come in, I came into class and I took a big red marker and I wrote on the mirror because I always start a class with a theme, with a message. And I wrote a, a big red heart. And I said, if you're looking for love, don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Hmm. This is what, you know, I always share from a personal place. And I drew a big red heart and I said, today is really about opening yourself up to miracles like this happening, blah, 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 blah. But what I didn't know was the photo that she had taken from her terrace at the uh, skyline of New York City. When she looked at the photo, there was this, and I, I wish I could give it to you guys for the show notes for you to see, but there is this like, it looks like a photoshopped red heart. Hmm. on the building. And it was, it's so stunning that it was our wedding invitation because it was so powerful. It really looked like it had been um, added graphically on there. And so when I drew the heart, she said, oh my gosh, she's the one. She's the one. So she, she had the instantaneous knowing she was like, she didn't even, she showed me the photo afterwards, but then she went home and like cleaned up her life and then came back and started asking me out. But I didn't say yes. I didn't say yes over and over and over. She and I said, you know, for whatever, whatever, and no, no. And in my mind, I, I kept saying, you know, X, Y, Z, she's good. Check, 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 check. But I didn't feel it. Hmm. I didn't feel it. There was nothing. It was like, it was like a cold feeling. Like on paper, this woman's amazing. She's beautiful. She has everything. If I was going to date her, she'd be great. So then we sat down. She asked me out. We were sitting down in Central Park and we were just talking. And she said, will you go out with me? And I actually said, no. And then she, we started talking about our past relationships and as I'm telling her the story of my past relationships, I can feel this like avalanche of tears coming behind me. And I, I'm biting the inside of my cheeks, trying not to cry. And I don't even, I've never experienced anything quite so intense. I left her, I went home and barely got into my apartment on the Upper West Side when I just like went to the floor and cried for two hours, two hours of not tears, like heaving, like experience belling grief that was so intense and so deep that when I got through it, uh, I actually ended up calling my ex. And I realized that what the problem was, was I had been so heartbroken from my ex because she had cheated on me and I closed down. And so it was absolutely closed hearted. I was scared to be hurt again. Yeah. And when I saw when Callan, who's my wife now, asked me that. And I said, no, went home and cried. The next day I called her and I was driving to the Hamptons, go teach in the Hamptons. And I invited her to come with me. By the time we got to the Hamptons, we were up on the on a deck and drinking a glass of champagne. It wasn't three seconds that I looked over to her and I literally gasped, like there was a physical gasp. <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, oh my God, it's you? <gasps> And, and she said, yes, I've been trying to get your attention all this time. No way. I am not joking. Patricia, this is like the greatest love story ever. <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah, hell, it was such a lesson to me as to when your heart is closed, you know, it's right in front of you. Things are right in you can't see it. And the world can be one way when you're stuck in fear or self-doubt or... Yeah or worry 
the lens is different and you just can't see what would be in alignment with what you love yeah unless you're in a state of love and that and if anybody would know me the last thing i would ever say to anybody that i wanted to date was something like oh my god it's you <laughs> i am such a chicken they have to like bang down my door it has to be a totally safe situation yeah. for me to date somebody but it was so overwhelming and so shocking and so beautiful that it just it it to me is the greatest um evidence of what's possible in our lives and and the importance of opening your heart and and having the courage to live an open-hearted life. Yeah. I'm writing a book right now called The Miracle Equation. And that's one of the things we talk about is like what blocks us from miracles, right? You know, it's mm. like that you can describe that as a miracle. I define a miracle not as like some, you know, religious act or walking on water or whatever. I define it as, you know, that we set an intention. You know, we actually put forth effort. We maintain faith that it's possible, right? And as we do that, we start to move in the direction or start to attract the things that will, you know, into our lives. And, you know, I heard like Darren Hardy said the same thing that he wrote a letter and it was like he described his ideal woman, the woman he wanted to marry. And his wife is exactly like same height, same hair, same, you know, same everything. Uh-huh. You know, there's so much merit to it. I think that we often like I'm skeptical, you know, law of attraction. I don't know. Vision uh-huh. board. I don't know. But then I've experienced it in my life and you see it in your life. And I think that, uh, yeah, it's hard to deny that. So that's beautiful. That's really cool. Yeah, it, it is. And, you know, we went on to go try having kids and there were just so many miracles around that because there were so many, many, many struggles. Um, that was not an easy road for us whatsoever. And we have three girls oh and I gosh. literally, there's like, we have twins. And one of the things that was the biggest miracle in this is by the time we decided to have children, I was no longer, it was past. I, I had passed my time. Yeah. I just wasn't able to, but my wife is a little bit younger. So hmm. I carried her egg ah. and then she had twins and my wife is from Brazil, but she's blonde and very light skinned and I'm darker skinned I'm darker hair and Mexican descent. And when we originally were going to have our first baby, we were going to use uh, a donor that looked like me with her egg to look like a little biracial kind of child, you <laughs> yeah, know? Yeah. But we forgot to change the sperm when we actually <laughs> re- decided that it was going to be her egg. I, very funny. And then it turned out that the the child or the children that she birthed actually look like me. Uh, and it's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. And it's just I just think of that all the time. And I just think... The, the way that life can turn out when you're kind of going with the flow of life as opposed to uh, trying to control it or force it is much better than you could ever imagine. Yeah, I completely agree. Your story, you know, I, I was reading your story earlier today and fascinating. You know, you weighed, if I correct, it's 130 pounds in third grade. I think you got even bigger than that as you, yeah. you got older, up to 212 pounds. Is that right? Yeah. As a child? Yep, yep. So yeah, so share a little bit about your story of how you got fit, when you got fit, and and then I'd love to you know get into spiritual fitness and what that's all about, and what it means to be spiritually fit. Awesome, awesome. So I grew up in Northern California, uh, one of eleven kids, and the ninth child of eleven kids. And when I was growing up, you know, my mom came from the culture that how you look it matters. 
And especially coming from Mexico, right? She's, this is very much a patriarchal society, as you can imagine. And women are supposed to look a certain way and blah, blah, blah. So that was her fear. If you don't look a certain way, you'll have a hard time in life. And so as she saw me get chubbier and I have older sisters too, that really, really struggled with their weight. Mm. Um, I got put on a diet. I remember this moment so vividly and both of my parents were in the bathroom and they put me on the scale. And when they saw the number, I could see the fear in them. Hmm. Like there was a real fear. And I, and I always say that was when I was indoctrinated into diet culture. And that's when I got the spell of unworthiness cast upon me. Because to me, that meant something's terribly wrong with me. Hmm. And it's obviously my body. And if my body doesn't look right, there's something wrong with me. And so my mom put me on diets. I went to diet centers. I was taken to diet doctors where they injected cow's urine into my bloodstream. Oh my gosh. And that was in third grade is when that started? Yeah, in third grade, eight years old. Wow. You know, eight years old. You got to get a picture. Wow, that's my daughter's eight. I can't even imagine. And it's just crazy. So I went to diet I went to diet centers, I went to Weight Watchers, everything. And no matter what, I continued to get heavier and heavier till I was about 212 pounds. Wow. This was before I was even in high school that I wow. got to that weight. And, you know, a lot of shame about my body, a lot of guilt around food and that I shouldn't even be eating. Like it just, I, I can think of it and awaken that so quickly. And then I found exercise. My sister took me to an exercise class and I was... It was a euphoric moment for me because I loved to move. I'd always wanted to be a dancer. I could express myself. I knew in that moment, I, I literally was like, that's it. This is what I'm doing the rest of my life hmm. to my parents' dismay. And my sisters who were like, uh, I think you could have a bigger dream than that. <laughs> I was like, no, this is it. This is it. This is it. What age was that that you got introduced to exercise? That was like 16. Okay. 16. And I'm like working out and I'm loving it. And my body's changing and people are saying, I look fantastic. And I'm just like, I got this. I got this. Like I cracked the code. Uh, but what started happening is my career started to take off. I started teaching packed classes because I just, I'm strong, right? I'm strong and I love to dance and I could create choreographies and all of it. It just was in my wheelhouse in so many ways. And as I got more and more popular, I got more and more scared that I didn't look good enough and that I couldn't control my food. And so I was binging and I was purging and I was using diet pills. And I went into national aerobics competitions and I was an, an aerobics champion and cover of magazines. I was really at what you would say a great successful career in the fitness industry was but I was depressed. I was mm. isolating. I felt like a big, big fraud because my weight still fluctuated. You know, I'm 5'10", so I'm tall, but it would still fluctuate like 20 pounds. And it, to me, that just was horrifying. And I got this TV show and it was like dream job. It was a daily morning live workout show. And I'd never done TV before. I thought, this is it. This is my chance. This is like, this is, can't get better than this. And about, I don't know, maybe a few months, a year into it, the executive producer called me into his office. And when I got the call to go into his office, which had never happened before, my heart, I, I literally wanted to run out of the building and never be seen again because I knew what was coming. Mm. And I kind of felt like I was just 
going to my execution and I sat down in the chair. I think it was in, I was so overwhelmed with stress. I don't, I really don't remember the exact words of what he said, but the final outcome of the conversation was, why are you gaining so much weight? And I was absolutely mortified. So if you think of someone's rock bottom, yeah, I, I wanted to crawl out there. I might've well been naked because here I did, I did this on live TV and I'm being called out for it. So I can't even pretend that nobody's noticing. Wow. Like the curtain went up. I'm naked. You don't get worse than this. Like it was the lowest I could be. And I went home and I, that next day I found myself in a taxi driving down to a kind of shady part of New York City late at night and uh, buying crystal meth. Wow. And it wasn't because I was a drug addict, but it was because I was a shame addict. And that was my diet aid. Hmm. That was my diet aid. That's what I wanted to use to obliterate any any hunger, any cravings. And and I sat in my room. I remember that night. It wasn't the first time I had been using crystal meth. But I, for some reason, I sat in my room that night and uh, I was just, I was praying. I was crying. I literally was looking at my life and going, this is not who I am. I am not a drug addict. And if I continue this way, there's no way I'm avoiding it. And what age was this, Patricia? Oh, this was in my uh, early 30s. Okay, got it. And I was just like, "This is this the choice that I'm making? Seriously, here I am. I'm saying exercise and diet and be healthy. And this is what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm deceiving myself. I'm deceiving my community. I'm deceiving the industry. This is not okay. And I feel like, and I always call it this moment of grace, this moment where I had clarity, where I finally said, oh my gosh, it's not just me. There's millions of people. If you look at the statistics in the weight loss it, in the weight loss industry, one-tenth of 1%, got to think of that percentage, one-tenth of 1% actually succeed. That's like if you go into Apple and you say, hey, I want to buy the next iPhone 10. And they go, yeah, here it is, a thousand bucks. It works one-tenth of 1% of the time. Yeah, you go, yeah. yeah, sure, I'll take my chances. Yeah. Or that people start and stop a diet five times in one year. That's like enrolling in a college, getting out, re-enrolling, getting out, re-enrolling five times a year. And if that was happening in our world, it would be front page news. Yeah. But because the weight loss and beauty industry really feeds on us feeling like to be fat phobic and to really prey on our fears, we don't think it's the problem of the actual diet or the industry. We think it's a problem with me. And in that moment, when I thought about all the other people that are having the same problem as me, it broke the spell because shame can't live alone. And when you think it's only you, you perpetuate this self-loathing and this fear. But when I had the moment to say, oh my gosh, it's not just me. It's what I'm selling. It's what the industry's selling. It's what the, the stories that are perpetuated and diet and exercise are not the only solution. It's actually not the solution. There's a missing piece. And I just decided I was just going to devote the rest of my life to figuring out what that was and how to create ways that people could really take care of themselves without so much shame or so much guilt or body self-objectification. And uh, what I did was I traveled around the world for about two years and I studied with gurus and teachers and life coaches and there was a magic moment when I was actually, and I know you're a big fan of Tony Robbins, 
I was at a Tony Robbins seminar and he was talking about uh, peak states. How do you create a peak state, right? It's you need to create a, if you want to lose weight, you create a peak state. You get into a state where then you choose better, make better choices or you get yourself into a peak state. You don't, you don't uh, actually just do the action, but you put yourself in a state first. I thought that was really groundbreaking for me. Hmm. And he called them incantations, right? Incantations are when you not just do affirmations, but you embody the affirmations. You put your physiology, shoulders back, heart open, walk with energy, speak with energy, put a smile on your face, focus physiology and language. And as we were chanting on the beach, doing incantations at the end of that seminar, we're all marching down the beach. All I need is within me now. All I need is within me. All I need is within me now. I swear at one moment I stopped on the beach and it literally felt like lightning struck. And I started laughing and I started crying and I'm like, oh my God, this is it. I'm going to teach people how to activate peak states of being in an exercise class Mm. because then I can teach about how you change, not just your state, but how you rewire your neural pathways. Because if you're someone who's always down on yourself, is always criticizing yourself, is hard on yourself, and you use guilt to try to motivate yourself, you're actually blocking everything that you ever want to happen in your life. You need powerful energy. You need the love, the courage, the confidence, these powerful, positive energies, spiritually strong energy to be able to overcome challenges that are an inevitable part of your journey. And I just thought, wow, this is how I can shift what I'm doing into being something that is actually helpful in a way that I can stand behind. And to teach people how to become more spiritually fit means, one, become more present and mindful, which is what sati means, and to be really connected to your intentions always your values, your goals, your, what is it that really matters to you? And then move yourself in a way that you can actually experience that you're that person now, not sometime in the future. Yeah. Cause it's true. If you're exercising and dieting, but you don't fix yourself on the inside, right? If your mindset is still scarcity based or fear based, or if you're unhappy, right? Then it's never enough. Right. And well, one of the breakthroughs that I had was I it was actually with a Deepak Chopra uh lecture. He was saying, you know, you 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 always will live true to your self-concept. Like you can't live you can't live any other life except for a life that reflects your own self-concept. And your self-concept is everything you say after the words I am. Everything that you believe about yourself is your self-concept and your life must absolutely reflect it. And I remember I was in Fiji and listening to him and I went into the shower to kind of just like, you know, end the day and contemplate. And again, it was one of those same moments where I had this visual of myself uh, going to the gym every day. I'm so fat. I have to lose weight. I'm so fat. I have to run. I'm so fat. I have to diet. I'm so fat with this self-concept concept of I'm so fat. So if I, as my self-concept believe I'm so fat or whatever, I'm broke, I'm weak, I'm not good, not a good person, any of these negative reinforcements that so many of us carry in whatever area that we are challenged in, then no matter how hard I work, no matter how fit I get, I'll always be drawn back to have to live uh, true to my self-concept. So I had to rewrite my self-concept. I had to use yeah. these kinds of incantations and affirmations and and really start to question my limiting beliefs in a really honest and powerful way. Wow. So I'm getting the idea that 
what you're speaking of is spiritual fitness. So I'd love to know what does it mean to be spiritually fit? What is this concept? Well, spiritually fit means you're focusing more on your your spirit, right? Who you are, not just the body. So in the fitness industry, we're very tuned into self-objectification. What does my body look like? What do you think my body looks like? And do you think I look good enough kind of a thing? So we limit ourselves to what to our body. We identify with our body. Spiritual fitness is using the body as a vehicle to see yourself as more than a body, but as a spirit. And it really is with the intention to live open-heartedly. And I call anyone who is on this journey, is my community, a spiritual warrior, because a warrior is brave and tender-hearted, able to be with difficult situations without totally denigrating yourself, Um, and being able to be brave enough to self-reflect honestly, but without heaping on the guilt. So it's really about tapping into your heart and evolving as a person, not just as a body part. Hmm. So what's the easiest way for someone that's listening to embark on the journey of becoming spiritually fit? Well, mindfulness is your number one tool, Hmm. right? Being aware, being able to see when you are, you know, self-denigrating. Self-denigrating is anytime you're speaking badly about yourself. Anytime you verbalize your own failures or faults or your characters, what you're doing is you are, you are saying, I'm not worthy. I'm unworthy of respect. And if you're self-denigrating, it's worse than self-criticism because it leads to a rapid and severe erosion of your self-confidence and your self-esteem. So the number one thing that I always say is pay attention when you are self-denigrating and really start to question it and ask yourself, is that true? Is that a hundred percent true? You know, you say, I'm such an idiot or I can't do it or this is too hard. Any version, light or, or light or harsh. If you're doing this, which most people do, then the goal is to catch it and actually either turn it around or do this exercise that I learned from a great teacher of mine. Her name's Tara Brock. It's called RAIN. And so I would, it's an acronym and it's a mindfulness technique that helps you tune in instead of tune out, which is how you heal. So R, you recognize it. I'm caught, I'm hooked, I am beating myself up, I feel terrible, whatever that is. A, you allow it to be there. You don't go and eat it away or drink it away or shop it away. You actually just let it have its space. And then I, you investigate where it is in your body. What does this energy feel like when it's living in your body? Oh, my my jaw tightens, my fist tightens, my body crouches or, you know, just no story, but an investigation which synchronizes body and mind and puts you into present moment awareness. And then N, which is super, super important, you nourish yourself. What do you say? What do I need right now? I need a cup of coffee. I need a nap. I need a shower. I need a friend. I need a therapist, like whatever that is. But this, this level of self-reflection, what happens is it gets you out of ego identification, body identification, moves you into spirit identification. And then it teaches you to interrupt the neural pathways, the old patterns of self-criticism or self-denigration. And every time you interrupt that pattern, it weakens it. And then every time you do a practice like RAIN, you're reinforcing um, self-loving self-loving neural pathways. And when you activate a trait 
when you do this, uh, when you activate a state and you actually do it on purpose, over time, that state becomes a new trait. And this is how you can actually rewire your nervous system and actually create new personality traits that will help you actually live the life that you really want to live. Wow. Patricia, I love this, <laughs> which really means I love you. Um, oh, yay. Yeah. No, I, I love, I love, I mean, you know, I've studied various fitness experts and your approach is, it's beautiful. It's revolutionary. It's what's needed. I love the acronym RAIN. I love your approach to spiritual fitness. Yeah. And, and hopefully uh, we can make that work to get you to best year ever. Definitely. We chatted about that. So we'll have to keep figuring out if that works. Um, But anyway, what is the best way for our listeners to connect with you, to continue learning from you and that sort of thing? Yeah, awesome. I mean, I have a couple of new programs that are actually about to come out. So if somebody is like super interested and wants to get on the wait list for that, patriciamorano.com forward slash 365. Also uh, the usual channels. Uh, I do a live stream every day at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on my Facebook community page, which is every day I give a challenge or I give an exercise because I'm not about inspiration. I'm, in, I'm about action. Yeah. And so it's a great way to get little tiny nuggets and just kind of just re-anchor yourself in the conversation one day at a time. And those are going to be your best ways. That is dedication. You do that live stream every day. I'm impressed. That's amazing. Uh, five days during the week. Five days during a week, of week. course. Yeah, that counts. That counts as every day. Yeah, and it's great. And that's on your Facebook page, Patricia Moreno Live. It's my community page. Got it. Okay, cool. So, um, patriciamoreno.com forward slash three six five, and then Patricia Moreno Live on Facebook. Yeah, you're fantastic. Oh, I really appreciate you. I just I felt that way when I was in the audience. You know, watching you do your do what you do uh, so brilliantly, I really, really connected, just resonated with you, and loved you. And I'm so grateful that we got to chat today, and I got to introduce you to our listeners. Me too. I really am, and I really hope that I can come and be at your event. Yes, yeah. Actually, I just while we're on the phone, I just sent a text to John Berghoff, my partner in crime. I said, "Hey, buddy," I said, "We need to reconnect on Patricia Moreno," and uh, you know, we didn't ever. Awesome. Yeah. So we'll figure it out. Well, cool. Well, cool. I appreciate you and goal achievers. I hope you enjoyed hearing a little bit about her story as much as I did and her wisdom. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this conversation and I enjoy Patricia and I enjoy you. So Goal Achievers, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. I love you. I appreciate you. And uh, yeah, if not sooner, I will catch you on next week's podcast episode. Take care. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. 